Okay, welcome. Thank you everybody for coming out. I really appreciate it. I know it's not easy times. And uh, I want to welcome our good friend Ari Harlap, the sponsor, the owner of Sushi Spot and the sponsor of our weekly sushi platter. Very much appreciate it every week and, and appreciate that you came tonight. And uh, we, uh, you should, the, the schus of the, uh, that you have in, in supporting Abbas's Taira, not only here but all the other shirm that you, that you give to, should be a schus. First of all, that your business should continue to thrive and, and, uh, and you should be gebenched in all the brochas. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And, you know, we're holding it, we're, we're, we're living in very, very, very fascinating times, very scary times. You know, you think about how much has changed since the beginning of this, this winter. You know, we're still, we still didn't reach Pesach. I think how, the, how, how much the world changed since, since Sukkot, starting with the, uh, with the terrorism that, that Jews were experiencing here in New York and, and in the tri-state area and across America and anti-Semitism and how much things changed and with the, with the extra security and the police and now this thing with the corona and, and the developments that are happening daily it's quite frightening to look at it and everybody wants to know what is the Torah's perspective on these things and of course I, I can't tell you the answers to that but we know that the Torah is a Torah's Chaim which means that the answers to everything, every issue that happens in everyday life, is in the Torah. We just have to look and find and, and come up with the, the possible answers and hope that the Rebbeinu Shalom gives us the guidance so we'll know what to do. And of course, we have to follow the instructions that were told by the, uh, by the government and by the, uh, by the doctors and so forth. So, you know, of course, hygiene is... is very important, and, and washing hands, and people that aren't feeling well shouldn't leave the house. But not halazach, and so we do our shtadlis. But what, does, what else can we do to protect ourselves and our mishpachas that uh, we shouldn't be affected by this uh, terrible thing, and also that it shouldn't continue to spread? So, in the parasha, there's three things which I find relevant which can teach us how to deal with a situation like this. And the first one is the beginning of the parsha. The parsha tells us about the Ketairis. And the Torah details the different Ketairis, the different Samimonim, uh, the ingredients that were used for the Ketairis in the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash. And we know in Parsha's Kairach, it's brought down when there was a Magaif in Klai Yisrael. So, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Aaron, he said to him this Lashem, people were dropping dead. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Aaron, Akoyen, take the Ketaris quickly and run. Run run into Klai Yisrael because that's going to save them. And as Rashi brings down over there from Chazal, I'm going to quote it. Quickly take the Ketiris and go into Klai Yisrael and, and bring the Ketiris says Rashi went up to the Shemaim to bring the Torah to Klai Yisrael. The Malach Amavis gave him this secret. 
Shaktoiris oitzer hamagefa. The Ktoiris is able to stop a magefa. And as Rashi continues to the next pasuk, that Aaron stood there and he stopped. The, he literally stopped the Malach Hamavis from killing more Yidin. The Malach Hamavis says to him, "What do you mean? Hakadosh Baruch Hu told me to go and kill them." So he says, "No, Moshe Rabbeinu said you should stop." And he was right, as the pasuk says, "Vateyotzer hamagefa." Aaron was able to stop the Magaifa through the Keteris. Today, of course, we don't have a Keteris. Unfortunately, there's no base on Migdash. But it says in the Shalom Parms Fosenu that through our davening, that counts as the Avoid of the base on Migdash. And therefore, I've heard from a very prominent Rabbi Nair Yisrael, whose father was a great Mekubal of Mordechai the former Rishon Metzion, and he said that there's no question that the saying the Keteris both before davening and after davening, if you daven Nusach Sfar, so you, you have Pitum Akhtaris uh, after, right before Leinu. And even if you don't daven Nusach Sfar, but you daven Nusach Ashkenaz, but there's in the, in the, in the Karbonis, we do say that the Pitum Akhtaris, the, the Karbonis before davening. And when it's said in the proper way with Yeshiva Das, with Kavana, that's a tremendous skula to stop a Magaifa, and I want to quote from the Zara Kodesh. If people would know, how important saying the Ketaris is before Kaddish Baruch Hu. Like you mentioned before, a Kesar, a crown. Saying the words of the Ketaris is like a special Segul. You should try to think about what you're reading, and uh, since everything comes from Chazal, or from the Torah, so you can look it up for the exact title of what each thing means. So this is the Zoya. And he continues. If you Look in the Ketaris, you read it, and you say with Kavana, Like we saw now, that the Ketaris is what stops the Magaifa, it stops the Malachamavis. So that's a Segula that we can each do, we can all do. It might mean coming, coming a bit early to davening. But it's it's an investment that's definitely worthwhile in these yeah. in these uncertain times. To spend a few minutes saying the Ketaris and uh, to try to be mechavan in it, because we have a, a, a known segula that's mentioned in Rashi, it's mentioned in the Ketaris, mentioned in Chazal and the Zoya, that the Ketaris is something that can definitely take to help us and stop stop dinim roim and kalal yisrael. So that's one thing. Yeah, that's what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, that's it. It's not a joke, you know. Yeah, and the pasuk continues later on. The parsha, the parsha, talking about the mitzvah of Shabbos. Aches shabsoisay tishmoyu says a kaddish baruch hu ki oisi beinu veinechim l'deroisechem l'das kini Hashem mekadishchem. Shabbos is an ois. It's the sign that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gives Klal Yisrael. The, so to speak, the sign, the, the, uh, the connection between Klal Yisrael and Kaddish Baruch Hu, that we are Kaddish Baruch Hu's nation, 
And he's our Kaddish Baruch Hu, he's our Hashem. And ice, you know, an ice is also like a mifus. It's like a sign, like a like a, a a signal. And you know, I always look on on Shabbos Shabbos day. You walk around Jewish neighborhoods. You know, you, you walk. I go outside Shul on Avenue L, and I see all the stores there, right? The sushi store and, and the ice cream store, and all the stores they're they're all closed. And you walk on any any block that has firm businesses. And you see how the stores are closed, and, and that is really Why it's closed? because of Shabbos. Right, and that is really a uh, a testament. That's a testament to what Gashbaruch Hu says. It's a sign between Gashbaruch and Kali Sol forever. And here we are, so many thousands of years into Gullus. Shabbos is still there, and it's still kept, and 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 the observance of Shabbos keeps on growing. And no matter where you are in the world, whenever, wherever there's Yidin, you'll see this, this thing, that everything stops when Shabbos comes around. And Kala Yisrael keeps the ice that connects us with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But Shabbos, we know, is the Makar HaBrocha. As the Zayar says, that all the days of the week they get their sustenance from Shabbos. To get the Brocha of Shabbos, though, so it involves putting in a little bit extra effort besides just going through the motions and closing, you know, and, and stopping our businesses, which of course is, as we said, a great kid Hashem. But if we want to get extra bracha from Shabbos, then sometimes that means going an extra, taking the extra step, going the extra mile. Because for all of us, Baruch Hashem, we were raised Shemri Shabbos and and we, we, our families are Shemr Shabbos. So this is, these are the kind of things that we do because we know we're supposed to do it. But every person has their own uh, struggle when it comes to other aspects of Shabbos in which if we're able to somehow be mechazek ourselves, then there's no doubt and there's no question that we're going to get extra bracha from Shemayim and that will be a protection for us as well in these difficult times. As the Chavetz Chaim once said, he says that in war, when you go out to war, so there's, uh, there's the soldiers who are fighting in the battlefields, and then there are the medics who are in charge of evacuating those who are wounded and taking them away from the battlefield and sending them to the hospital so they could uh, heal. He says, now, once the battle starts and the medic is out there, so... He knows there's certain places that there's absolutely no point in going to. If a soldier is he's killed, then there's nothing he can do. He's not, he's not even going to look his way. If a soldier is injured, so then it depends what type of an injury it is. If it's an injury uh, you know, in his hand, his foot, his body, so yeah, the, the, the medic is going to pay attention to him. He's going to try to uh, bandage him and then, and then evacuate him. But if it's a head injury, then more likely than not, they're just going to leave the person alone because it's not likely that he's going to survive. And the patient doesn't want to waste it. The, the medic can't waste his, his time with the, something that's not going to exist anyway. Says the Chavetz Chaim, you know, in this world, and in, the, in these times, and he was talking in his times 100 years ago, where the world is like a battlefield, and there's so much happening to Klai Yisrael. So who does HaKadosh Baruch Hu look at? Who is he looking at that he's going to save? Those that are injured, somewhat then they're going to be saved. But those that are, you know, they have a head injury, 
Kaddish says, I can't, I can't spend the time with you because I'm so busy saving those that have a better chance of surviving. So if Shabbos isn't at the top of the list, uh, to the top of our radar of Hashivas, then we lose some of that protection that Shabbos gives us. And there's a beautiful story with the Chavetz Chaim. He was in Vilna towards the end of his life at an important asifa for Rabbanim. And the Chavetz Chaim, as is known, he, uh, he was born, he, he, was, he, he lived in Raden. Raden is not too far from Vilna. But he was born in a small town, a small shtetl called Jetel. And uh, after he grew up and he moved to Raden, so the Rav of Jetel was uh, a Rav who, became, who was very famous, and Jetel was a shtetl that kept, everybody kept Shabbos. There was an older fellow there, he had a son and a daughter, and the son wasn't very firm, and it was time for him to earn a parnosa, so his father bought him a car. Which, of course, was still a novelty in those days. This is the, we're talking the late 1920s. And uh, he became like a cab driver. He would drive people uh, to, uh, to and back from the, uh, the train station. And that's how he would make his partner. son. He was doing well. But he couldn't with, withstand the temptations. And he started taking people on Shabbos as well. And people were very disturbed. They were very shocked. The Rav went over to, to him. He wouldn't listen. He went over to his father, and the father said, you know, I'm an old man, and he, uh, there's nothing I can do. He doesn't listen to me. I told him not to do it. Anyway, some time later, the, uh, the, uh, the father, he has a stroke. And he's taken to the hospital. He's taken to the hospital. And uh, he goes to Warsaw, and he goes to Vilna, and, and the doctors aren't really able to help him. He's, staying, he's in the hospital in Vilna, and it's the same time that the Chavetz Chaim was there at a, at a conference of Rabbonim. Rav Zalman Sarotskin, the Rav of Jetel, was also there at the conference. And he's on the train. The conference is over. They're heading back to Radin, and Rav Zalman Sarotskin is heading back to his town of Jetel. And he's on the train with the Chavetz Chaim. All of a sudden, who does he see approaching the train? He sees this old man, his, his, his uh, fellow, the, the father of this young man who's the driver, He's coming onto the train, he's hobbling on a cane, and his head is bandaged. And Rav Zalman Sarovskin sees him, he says, what, what are you doing? You're supposed to be in the hospital, you had a stroke. He says, no, the doctors aren't able to help me, and last night I had a dream. My mother came to me in a dream. And she said, why are you wasting your time here in the doctors? They're not going to help you. Go to Rod and to the Chavetz Chaim. He's going to help you, he'll give you a bracha, he's going to help you, he'll have a full shlema. <clears throat> So he said, I'm going to Radin. So the Rav says to him, you don't have to, you don't have to go to Radin. Chavetz Chaim is right here on the train right now. And then he has this idea. Why don't I go over to the Chavetz Chaim before this man approaches him and tell him that, you know, we have a situation in our town that this man's son is, refuses to stop being Mechal Shabbos. And maybe you could tell him that you're going to give him a bracha only on condition that he speaks to his son and he convinces him not to keep Shabbos. So he's thinking how to word it to the Chavetz Chaim, and all of a sudden he, see, he realizes it's too late. The man had already sneaked in, and he went past the Gabayim, and he went straight over to the Chavetz Chaim, he's talking to him. So very quickly, the Rav Sarotskin goes over to listen to the conversation, and he hears the man telling him his whole story. He had a stroke, and the doctors can't help him, and he has a dream, and he says, he says my mother told me I should go to you for a bracha, because you're going to save me. So the Chavetz Chaim was, of course, a tremendous son of, and he didn't like to hear people... He says, what? I should give you a bracha? 
Who am I to give you a bracha? He stops. Then he says, you want a bracha? Shabbos is the Makar HaBrocha. As the Pesach says, Shabbos is the Makar HaBrocha. So, if you want a bracha, Shabbos can give you a bracha. And then he says, you know, if you get the bracha of Shabbos, because you keep Shabbos, then Yisrael Meir can give you a bracha too. But if you don't keep Shabbos, you don't get the bracha of Shabbos, how is Yisrael Meir going to give you a bracha? And then the Chavetz Chaim continues. Now you're going to say, okay, I keep Shabbos. He says, yeah. But it doesn't count because the Pasuk says, that your son has to keep Shabbos and your daughter too. And if your son is driving his car on Shabbos and your daughter is brushing your hair on Shabbos, that's your responsibility to stop them. Zalman Sorosken standing there and he, Ruach HaKadosh. Nobody, nobody had told the Chavetz Chaim about this man the first time that he ever saw him. Ruach HaKadosh was revealed. The man broke down in tears. And he says, Rebbe, I promise you I can do everything in my power that my kids will, start, will stop being Mechal Shabbos. Right then and there, the Chavetz Chaim gave him a bracha. Within a few days, the man was back to himself. He, he was healed completely. He went home and uh, he confronted his son. The son refused to listen. He threw him out of the house and he, the son made his way to Israel. But the story really teaches us a lesson, and that is that the bracha person needs, the Yeshua, for health. It comes from Shabbos. And there's one way that we can be mechazek Shabbos. In addition to everything that we do, because everybody keeps Shabbos and everybody does, you know, everybody's everybody's doing their best. You know, we come to Shul, we dive, and we learn. Everybody does, you know, we keep Shabbos. What's something though that we can do to be mechazek Shabbos? That that's something that probably needs chizik by a lot of people, myself for sure. And that is the Indian that Chazal tells us of being Moshef Michael Alakoydish to add on to Friday to add Shabbos to make Shabbos come early. And you think about it. It makes sense because really, Shabbos comes from Hakadosh Baruch Hu completely, right? So, what is that that we can do to, to to show our part, to show that we want to be part of this great thing? Of course, in addition to everything else that we do, that is to take a few minutes to be prepared a little bit in advance, so that when the time comes, when it's time for lichbenching for the ladies, when it's time to go to shul for the men, we won't be rushing and we won't be running late. But we'll be ready. And of course it takes work and it takes, you have to get the whole family on board. You know, try to start, start the preparations a little bit earlier as much as possible. Uh, maybe you know, certain things could be done Thursday night, like setting the table or giving the kids a bath or whatever it is. You know, and every, every family has their unique circumstances. But the point is not to come into Shabbos in a rush and, and adding to Shabbos, being showing your Kaddish Baruch with the yes. We're so much looking forward to this great gift that you gave us that we want to give of our own time to that, so that we can also be mishtatif, so to speak, in this great gift of Shabbos. And through that, there's no question that that's going to give us brachas. And our Pinkus in his Sefer on Shabbos, he elaborates on this idea of, of Tesefis Shabbos. Because the point is, is that we want to have a connection. Shabbos is the Makar HaBrocha. But how are we going to connect that to the week? How is that going to influence the week? So when you add time from the week, even if it's a few minutes that you're ready in advance for Shabbos. So what you're doing is you're, you're, you're connecting the day of Shabbos to the week, so to speak. So the Kedusha is able to stretch over onto Friday. And it's the same thing, Matzah Shabbos, which that everybody does anyway. You know, we usually end Shabbos a few minutes after the Zman. So we're taking the Kedusha of Shabbos into the week, so to speak. And now everything is connected. And through that, we're Zoycha to the Bruch of Shabbos. That's something that everybody you know, can try 
in their own way a little bit, just to add a little bit of time. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's hard because the Yitzhahara, of course, on Friday is always more difficult than during the week and there's a lot of pressure. But with a little bit of effort, it's definitely possible, even if it's just for a few minutes, just to come in a little bit earlier, to come into Shabbos relaxed and calm and not in a rush. And it makes a big difference. And there's a beautiful story which happened in America just a few years ago. Rav Steinman was here in America and he went to visit Lakewood. Now at the time, Lakewood, there was some uh, unfortunate uh, service happening there. And they asked Rav Steinman, the Shabbos that he was there in Lakewood, what can we do as a skula to protect the, the kehillah from, from all these tragedies that are happening around us? Achman Litzlan. So Rav Steinman said, everybody should be mekabal themselves, the entire Lakewood, to be mekabal Shabbos five minutes early. And I heard this from somebody who, who, who lives in Lakewood, and, he, and uh, it was repeated over um, by the son of Chaim Kanievsky when he was here last year. That Shabbos, that the entire Lakewood took upon themselves to accept Shabbos five minutes early, there was not one single Hatzalah call in the entire Lakewood. And the Hatzalah members were going around, they, they, they thought that their walkies were broken because they weren't getting any calls. Not a single one, from the beginning of Shabbos till the end. Because Shabbos is the Makar Bracha. And when we do a little bit to add to the covet of Shabbos, there's no question that that gives us as protection and bracha to all of us. And finally, the third segula, the third Indian, which is in the parsha as well. And of course, and that is, you know, we read, we read this parsha, Kisisa, about the Chaita Eagle. Kal Yisrael uh, was waiting for Moshe Rabbeinu to come down. And as uh, Rashi tells us, and the Chazal tell us, they made a mistake in the calculation. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai uh, to get the Torah on, on Shavuos, which was Vav Sivan. And he said to them, I'm going to come back after 40 days. So you do the math. 40 days after Vav Sivan, that's going to be Tezayin Thomas. And he said, I'm going to come back uh, around Chatzay's time, midday. It's midday, uh, Tezayin Sivan. They're looking for Moshe Rabbeinu. He's not coming. And that's when the Satan... He got involved, and he says to them, "Where's uh, Where's Moshe Rabbeinu?" They said, "Oh, he's going to be coming down soon." He says, "No, no, he's not coming." And he showed them. <coughs> he showed them in Shemayim, as Rashi brings down. They see, like, so to speak, Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's zemita, his his his, uh, his coffin. Yeah, he's died. He died, and he's not coming back. And the next thing they know, you know, so they're 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 out there making the eagle and, and being over the Vedasar and, and everybody's bothered by this. How is it possible? We're talking forty days after Kabbalah Satari, you saw the biggest Gilishkina ever. And this was happening. You know, Chazal tell us that the Yitzhahara he works in a in a clever way. He doesn't go over to a person who's a Shemitar Mitzvah to say to him, Go, 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 uh, go worship a Vedasara. Because he knows there's no way the, the person's gonna even look at him. So what does he do? He says to him, he says to him, I am a seikach. He says to him, okay, you do a small thing today. I don't know, maybe don't dive with the minion. Well, I don't know, don't open a safer today. Small things. And then tomorrow, I said, kach, you know, so now you do the next thing. He works on a person slowly until finally he says, okay, now go, go worship Abba Yedazar. After he brings the person down and the person feels vulnerable, then he says, okay, now I got you. Go, go do Abba Yedazar. But he doesn't work automatically, yet here we see the third day, you know, they're holding on the highest madriga possible. First thing they do after Moshe Rabbeinu is gone, right away. How is it possible? What happened to the Yitzhahara's technique? You tell, what's, what does that mean? That we're, you know, us in this generation were, were, were more stark than they were? Nobody today would do that. So what happened there? 
And of course, this is something that, you know, it's, it's not something that we can understand, we can comprehend, but we can understand it based on our level and the way we understand things. So Abchamish Hulevis explains that you're right. And the natural way of things, this cannot happen. But here, the Yitzhahara was able to get them. Because, as we said before, he made them panic. He made them be confused. He made them lose themselves. He showed them Moshe Rabbeinu's mita flying in the sky. He says he's dead. And there was darkness. There were dark clouds. And it was a scary moment. And they panicked. And when you lose it, when you lose your sense of control, then the Yetzirah knows that you're vulnerable and he can do whatever he wants with you. And that's what happened over there. Claudius saw they lost their control over their feelings. They were in a tumult. They were confused. And when a person is confused and he's, he's not in control of his feelings and his emotions, then anything can happen. And that's what happened over there. And that's how, we, that's, that's how they fell to, to, such a, to such a low madrega so quickly after Kabbalah Satira. And Rukhaim Shalavit says, you know, that teaches a person that even after you make a mistake, a person doesn't have a very So don't lose yourself. Don't fall. Don't fall in your spirit. Don't let the Yitzhahara get the best of you. And put you into Yish Khalila. Because when a person falls in his spirit and he's confused and he doesn't know what to do, then the Yitzhahara has much more control. And as this, all the Sefer Hasidus say the same thing. A person does an Avera. It's not the Avera that's the problem, but it's the Atzvus and the Yish that comes after the Avera that's the problem. Because then a person is totally vulnerable and he feels like he cannot control himself anymore because he doesn't know what to do. And he's not in touch with his emotions. He's not in control. So that's what Rukhash Levit says. But Lee and Yonayna, we can say the same thing also. And that is, if we want to be in control and we want to stay focused, we have to learn not to panic. We have to learn not to lose it. And we have to learn how to remain focused and continue in the path that we know is the right path. And this is something actually, you know, we, we were just holding by Purim. We see this in the Megillah. You know, you take a look. Two different characters in the Megillah. You have Achashverosh and you have Mordechai. Achashverosh, he supposedly, he's the Melech. But Chazal tell us, any time that it says HaMelech in the Megillah and it doesn't say Achashverosh, it's referring to HaKadosh Baruch Why? Because to be a king, it's not enough to wear a crown on your head. To be a king means to be in control. And as the Chagas Halavavis describes, a chassid is somebody who's in control of himself. He's in control of his emotions, he's in control of his feelings, he's in control of his actions. That's what a melech is. Achashverosh wasn't able to be a melech on himself. As we see in the Megillah, he's constantly getting angry, he's constantly losing it. When, uh, when Vashti refuses to come to him, so Haman says to him, oh, you, should, you should hang her up, and he goes ahead and he listens. And later on he gets angry again and he hangs Haman. He's not in control of himself. He's totally, totally under the influence of others. He's only concerned about what others tell him and what others are going to do. That's not what a melech is. So we can't call him a melech. That's why any time the Megillah says melech, stam, it's not a chashverish. Because a melech means somebody who's in control. And contrast that with Mordechai, a Yehudi. He's in total control. He's not swayed by public opinion. He sees Haman walking by and everybody's bowing down the entire world, and, he, and people are yelling at him. You're putting Kali's into a danger. He's He won't budge an iota from his principle, because he's in control of who? He's in control of himself. And then later on, you see Haman, Haman goes, uh, takes him on the horse, and he gets all this covered, 
And what does it say? Vayoshev Mordechai El Shara Melech. And as Rashi and as Rashi says over the Varshim, say El Saka Vitanisay. He didn't lose his cool, even though after all the cover that he got, because he was in total control of his emotions and his feelings. And that's how a yid is supposed to live their life. And that today is especially important because we see a world around us going crazy. And of course, as we said before, Avad, we have to do our shtadlus and and you know, be be careful and you know, be cautious. But to go crazy, to lose it, a yid is not supposed to. That's against everything that we're taught. A yid is meant to be in control. And we have our Torah, and we have our, our Rabbanim, who guide us and tell us what to do. And Baruch Hashem, you know, as long as we try, do our Ishtadahs to be safe, then we don't have to worry about anything. Because the Kaddish Baruch is running the world, and he's in charge. And he's going to take care of us, just like he's taking care of us up until now. And the world survived until now. It's going to continue to survive, to survive after Corona. And all we have to do is trust that and believe in a Kaddish Baruch Hu and not lose it. And, you know, out there in the world, the media especially, they're trying, they're trying to, to, to make people confused and they're trying to make people lose their, lose their understanding and so that people are, should be panicked. And that, you know, that's, their, that's, that's, the way they, that's the way they do things. And when people are panicked and they're not in control, then the media controls them and they can tell them to do whatever they want. And that's how they get their panosa. But we as you to know that we have a better thing to listen to, and that's the Torah Kedoshah, which tells us never, ever to lose control. I just want to conclude with a beautiful story. You know, Chaim mentioned to me before that, uh, that there's not going to be any pilgrimage to Lezhensk this year because you can't travel. You can't go to Europe. So no one's going, and all the flights were canceled. I think 50,000 people, you said? Yeah. So Lezhensk isn't happening. But this story happened a few years ago when, when there was a Lezhensk. On the yard site, and that yard site it happened to be, it was just Chafal of Kislev, of course, that's next week. You said Sunday night, you said? Yeah. So, uh, this was in 2008. Chafal of Kislev fell down on Friday. Thursday night, Friday. Now, Eretz Yisrael, as you may know, is only three, a, three, a three and a half hour flight to Poland. So, it's very easy to hop on a plane, and you can come back within uh, less than 24 hours, you're back home already. So, they had chartered flights from Israel to Lezhensk. That left Thursday evening was scheduled to, to leave and, and arrive back in Israel early Friday afternoon. And the man who tells this story, he was on one of those planes. They left Israel sometime uh, Thursday uh, Thursday evening, and of course, since they and, and they went there, they got to Lizhensk uh, later in the, later at night. They davened at the scene for a few hours. They said to Hillim, uh, as soon as it became uh, morning, it became nights. Alisa Shacha, they davened Shachas, and they went straight back onto the planes. Literally there for a few hours. They're sitting on a plane on the runway in this uh, old uh, airport in, in the town of, of uh, Raisha. And the plane is not leaving. And people are getting a bit antsy because they have to make it back to Israel in time for Shabbos, of course. And people, not everybody lives near Lud, near the airport. They have to travel to different places. There was a couple that had to go to Tzfat. Whatever it was, they were getting antsy. And they're getting upset. And they can't figure out how can the pilot's not taking off. Finally, the... Uh, <coughs> The, uh, the person who was in charge of the flight, the tour company, he gets onto the plane and he, he has with him a list. He says, Rabbi Yisai, there's, there's, there's a problem here. Every single seat on this plane is taken. But he has with him another person. He says, this person who's with me now, he also bought a ticket for this plane. Which means that there's somebody on this plane that did not come here with us and he's just going back with us. So I need that person to get up right now and get off the plane so the person who bought his seat rightfully should be able to get home in time for Shabbos. Nobody gets up. <laughs> Nobody gets up. And then the pilot makes an announcement. He says, 
He says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you probably don't understand how serious this is. So let me explain to you. We have a 20-minute window that the runaway is ours to take off. Once that 20-minute window is over, then we're going we're to have to wait another few hours till we can take off again because there are other planes who are waiting in line. And since by then it's going to be too late to make it back to Israel in time for Shabbos, that means that everybody here, all 200 people on the plane, are going to have to spend Shabbos in Lizhensk. Nobody had any luggage with them, nothing whatsoever. They brought you know, a carry-on with some, uh, with some food, um, and that's about it. <clears throat> so now people started panicking. He says, we have about 10 minutes. So if nobody gets up by those 10 minutes, you might as well, you're staying here for Shabbos. And now everybody's panicking and going crazy. And everybody's looking at their neighbors, you know, to see, was he here on the flight? And, and, and the way it works then, it worked then in 2008, they did not have uh, assigned seats. So which means that the person you're sitting next to now is not necessarily the same person you were sitting next to then, on the way there. So nobody knows who is this person. And people are starting, uh, you know, yelling and screaming. And, you know, they're, they're cursing out this person, whoever he is. You know, says he's such a Russia. And, uh, and you know, if I, could, if I could put my hands on him, if I could put my fingers on him, he's not going to know what hit him. And sitting there in the plane is this fellow. He's the one telling the story. His name is Aaron Margalit. He's, a, he's a, a well-known motivational speaker in Israel. And he realizes that the window is closing very quickly. He goes over to the microphone and he says, listen, he says, Rabbi Yisai, listen to me. You know, we're here at the yard side of Ramel Khalijansk, who famously said the famous song, Adarabba, Shenira Kolechon Malas Chaveir Velechasreino. Ramel is teaching us don't look for the negative, look for the positive. Now, I know what you're thinking. What's there to find positive here? He says, he says Do you think for one second that by screaming and cursing and yelling, you're encouraging this person, whoever he is, to get up? Not a chance in the world now, after all the abuse that you, that you, that you said, that this person is going to get up. He's not crazy. He doesn't want to be killed. He doesn't want, he doesn't want you to, 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 to share him with Mizyonis. He says, there's no way this guy is getting up after everything that happened here. So let me make an offer. Whoever's willing to get off the plane and spend Shabbos in Lizhensk, first of all, you're going to get a bracha from everybody. Everybody's going to bench you that you're allowing us to fly back to home to Israel in time for Shabbos. And besides that, I'm offering here $500. Abacha raises his hand and... The person who's saying this story says, I know for a fact that this bacha was on the plane going there. So he rightfully said, he says, I'm willing to do it. Everybody claps their hands. They shower him with brachas. Rabbi Margali takes up $500 from his pocket. He gives it to him. He leaves the plane. Everybody clap hands. Within minutes, the plane takes off. And that was the end of the story. And he concludes, though, is that what benefit do you get by losing it, by losing control, by screaming, by yelling? You gain nothing. It just adds to the problem. And, then, and people came over to him afterwards and they said, how in the world didn't we think about this idea? It's such a simple idea. You know, we just offer someone an incentive and they'll take it. But instead, we panic and we lose control and nothing good can come out, come out of that. The Ibn Shishtaka help that all these segulas and everything else should be a protection for all of us and for Mishpachas and Magans Kalali, so for the entire world, that this, uh, this illness that's going around should finally stop us. Mr. Shem, we should come back together with simcha, with goodness service, all of us. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.